0: And I'm telling you, the enemy has been attacking us. I don't know about you, but he has been attacking us. Ever since we had the healing service, I've been dealing with my colon disease, having some issues there. You see, it's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. I know that as God advances us, the enemy is going to try to stop us because God has great things in store for us for 2020. Our future is bright. And the enemy wants to do everything he can in his power to prevent us from getting where God wants us to go. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for your powerful presence in this place. God, I thank you for every single person that you have brought here this morning. And God, I pray that our hearts would be open to receive your word. God, that you'd be with your servant now. God, that you'd empower me to preach your word with boldness and with effectiveness. And God, that your word would go forth and it would change our lives. God, that your word would impact us. God, that your word would change us before we leave this place. And God, we ask that the Holy Spirit right now would do his work in every single heart. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. The title of my message this morning is Don't Be Satan's Breakfast. I know that God laid this message on my heart for a reason because I believe that some Christians are on the plate waiting for Satan to devour them. There's a powerful verse in the word of God and it's 1 Peter 5, verse 8. And it says, be of sober spirit. Or be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Be sober, be on the alert. I read recently an article that stated that four out of ten Christians believe that Satan is not real. Can you believe that 40% of Christians today do not believe that Satan is a real person? They oftentimes say that he is a principle or he is some idea of evil, but he's not an actual person. What I want to say to them is if that's true, if he's a fictional character, then what did Jesus fight against? What did he preach against? If he's a fictional character, why should we put on the armor of God? Why would the Bible say that our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds? If Satan is not real, then Jesus, we must reduce him down to a comic book figure that's fighting fictional characters. But we know that we have a real adversary, we have an enemy of the soul. And he will do everything in his power to snatch people out of God's hand. Satan is not a joke, and he's not to be ignored. As I speak this morning, I'm not bringing glory to the devil. When we speak on the subject of Satan, we're not bringing him glory. My aim this morning is to equip us to identify his aims and his strategies and his attacks against us. That's why Peter says be sober, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. What Peter is saying is, wake up, pay attention. That's the two commands that Peter's giving us this morning, to wake up, to pay attention. What happens if we don't wake up and pay attention? Disaster. A number of years ago, I was bivocational and I was working a job at Walmart distribution center and I was also pastoring full-time my home church, Mountainside Assembly of God. There were days when I would actually leave work and drive on my way home and uh, working in 32 degree temperatures and then going in, say that it was summer months, going from 32 degrees to 80 or 90 degrees, it does something to your body. There's this one instance, I was driving home from work and I began to doze off as I was driving. And before I knew it, God woke me up at the very last second because my vehicle was heading to the side of the mountain. And if it wasn't for God to wake me up, I would not be standing here today. I would not be married. I would not be in ministry. I would not have any children. But God woke me up. See, when we are not awake, when we are not alert to the adversary, that's when disaster ensues. So we must be on the alert to wake up, to pay attention. See, we're all involved in a spiritual battle. You need to know the enemy, and you need to know his characteristics in order to fight against him. We need to understand that we are in a life and death battle this morning. And as we continue to pursue God, and I'm so grateful that we're on this journey together, that we are spending time in God's word, that we are praying for those that are lost and dying. I'm so glad that we're on this journey together. But can I tell you that as the spiritual level of this church rises, the more attacks the enemy will put upon God's people. See, the thing is, Jesus came to save sinners but Satan came for the Christians. He's coming to destroy us. He's coming to kill us. He's coming to snatch our children from us and drag them into darkness. The Bible says to be sober. Now, there are two meanings to this word. In the physical sense, sober means not to be intoxicated with alcohol. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, do not be drunk on wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a reason why we abstain from alcohol, because we want to be alert. We want to be awake. And there's no doubt in my mind that as Peter wrote these words, probably the thought of him and the other disciples falling asleep when Jesus told them to keep watch as he went into the garden to pray. And there's no doubt in my mind that Peter probably recalled that instance where those disciples fell asleep. In verse 7, the Bible tells us to cast our burden, our anxiety, and our cares on God. And so we cast our burdens, we cast our cares upon God, but that doesn't absolve us from our responsibility. Look to your neighbor and say that you have a responsibility. We depend 100% on God, but we also have a 100% responsibility to obey. So the Bible says do not be intoxicated, be sober. This idea means to be calm, to be collected in spirit. To be circumspect, self-controlled, well-balanced, clear-headed. See, as believers, I believe that not only are we to have self-control as the fruit of the Spirit, but we are to be possessed by the Spirit. In other words, we need to be controlled by the Spirit. We need to be filled with the Spirit. And as Paul wrote those words in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it's in the present tense. That means it's an ongoing thing to constantly be filled with the Spirit. So as believers, we are to be controlled by the Spirit. Why must we be controlled by the Spirit? Because he enables us to not give in to temptation. He enables us to say no to the devil, to give in to our evil passions. Peter is saying that we must do this now. Keep our head clear. Why must we remain watchful? Why must we be vigilant to the attacks of the enemy? You know why? Because the enemy is watching us. He's studying us. He knows our weaknesses. And the devil is a vigilant being. He knows our weaknesses. I found it interesting. Here are six uses of this Greek word in the Word of God. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse six, and there are six occurrences. Verse six, it says, "So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober." In verse eight, "But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet the hope of salvation." Second Timothy chapter four, verse five, "But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of evangelists, fulfill your ministry. First Peter 1:13 says, "Therefore, gird your minds for action, keep sober in spirit, Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ." First Peter 4, 7, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. And here in our verse this morning, be sober, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. In all those instances of the word of God, we have this command to be sober, to be alert did you know that at the end of all the gospels the bible tells us to be on the alert to be watchful at least 22 times and why are we to be watchful well number one we need to watch for the second coming of christ he says that he will come like a thief in the night no one knows the day nor the hour not even the son only the father knows and so that's why the Bible encourages us to be watchful, to wait for the coming of the Lord. But also, we are to be alert and to be watchful because our enemy prowls around like a roaring lion. We need to be alert. It was the Greek culture that highly valued sober judgment in both individual and public life, they really valued it, they wanted a clear head. And that's what they valued as Greeks. For the Christian, it's not to be gloomy and have a joyless Christian life, but it does mean that we are to approach life with purpose. Our lives are not frivolous. Our lives are not by accident. So we must live on purpose. We must be intentional with the things that we say and do every day in our lives. That's what God has called us to do to take things seriously, to know the real importance of life. Sober characterizes the individual that's marked by self-control, of sound moral judgment. The Christians that are sober are those that don't give in to the worldly pleasures and they don't fall into temptation that the enemy brings against us. This allows us to be always alert, to always be on guard. And I can't tell you how many times in my own personal life that I have allowed my guard down and the enemy came in. All it takes is just a little bit of compromise. All it takes is just a little bit of doubt and unbelief. And the enemy works his way in our lives. Perhaps you're here and you're struggling with something. I want to encourage you this morning that you need to be sober and you need to be alert. You need to have your eyes wide open. And that's what this word means to have moral alertness, the sense of being so exercised and disciplined that all fear of sleeping again is removed. That's what this word means. So, again, look to your neighbor and say, You have a responsibility. Comrel said this, Comrell to his troops. You know what he said? He said, trust God, but keep your powder dry. We have a responsibility. We trust God, but we also have our own part to do, to be obedient to him. Peter goes on, he says, be on the alert. Some translations say vigilant. And what that means is to be watchful to be circumspect, to be attentive, to discover, and to avoid any sort of danger. So be on the alert. It doesn't mean necessarily to refrain from sleeping. How many of you enjoy sleep? I enjoy sleep. Jesus enjoyed sleep. When they were going across the other side, right, he was found sleeping in the boat. Ministry wears you out and he was sleeping, and sleep is a good thing. We don't refrain from sleeping, but rather this talks about, in a figurative sense, that we need to be spiritually alert. We need to be constantly in the state of readiness. And most of the New Testament uses are in the reference to the Christians being spiritually awake and alert, as opposed to being spiritually indifferent and listless. This word in the Greek actually means to carefully step from stone to stone. How many of you have ever done that as a kid? I still do that. I love playing in the creek with my boys. And you would see rocks and stones protruding from the creek or from the whatever it is and try to cross to the other side without getting wet. Well, I tell you many times I would slip on moss and boom, I'd be right in the water with my boys that's what this word means, to be so careful that you step on slippery stones and you pay attention to every single step that you take to get to the other side. The enemy is very subtle. Paul records that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. I am so amazed how many Christians are tossed to and fro from every single kind of teaching. There are people that they're a psychic and they say that their powers and their readings are from God. And so many people buy into that that they're being used of God and that this is God's power. How many people, how many Christians are being swayed by false teaching and heresies and all sorts of different evils and darkness that exists in the world? The Bible also says that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. That's why we need to be alert. That's why we need to pay attention. That is why that this word is used so many different times at the end of the Gospels. Matthew 24, 42 says, Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. Jesus concluded the parable of the 10 virgins by this warning. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. I love what St. Augustine said. He said, the last day is a secret that every day may be watched. Every single man and woman must live each day as if it was their last. Be on the alert. Be sober. The Bible says in Mark chapter 13, Jesus tells a parable of a doorkeeper. He says, it is like a man away on a journey who upon leaving his house and putting his slaves in charge, assigning to each one his task, he also commanded the doorkeeper to stay on the alert. Therefore, be on the alert. For you do not know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening, at midnight, or in the morning. Least he comes suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, be on the alert. When I was doing my studies, I loved reading different commentaries. And this is what Vincent said. In the temple during the night, the captain of the temple made his rounds And the guards had to rise at his approach and salute him in a particular manner. Any guard or any doorkeeper that was found asleep on duty was beaten or his garments were set on fire. See how important it is to stand guard, to be the doorkeeper? I'm afraid to even say this, but isn't it true that a lot of Christians have compromised their spirituality. They have lowered the standard of morality in the word of God. They have reduced righteous living in their lives. And isn't that true? That there is so much compromise in our churches that we have turned our backs on God. But I'm so thankful that Lighthouse is not like that. That Lighthouse is, Trusts and believes and stands upon the word of God. That we believe with all of our heart that it is the word of God to us. Mark this down if you're taking notes. The Christian who is not alert will always be prone to Satan's attacks. I believe that we're not to look for the devil and demons behind every single door. There are many Christians that are like that they see the devil and demons behind every single door that's not true but what is true is that we are truly fighting a real enemy and we need to be on guard and we need to stay alert i was reading an article by tim Schoop, and he gives us practical applications from peter's exhortations here in chapter five and in that section this is where i got my title of my message so, I wish I was creative enough that I came up with this title. But he writes in this article, How to Be Satan's Breakfast. And he gives us seven different ways that we can be the breakfast of the devil. Number one, resent and resist authority at home, at church, at work, in the government. Number two, be proud. View yourself as the favored of God, a pillar of society, first among equals. Number three, seek praise per your own schedule, on your own priorities. Number four, be anxious. Worry over trivial details, performance. Act as though you are the critical component to all success. Number five, question God's care for you. Blame God for your life. Assume no responsibility for your decisions or the consequences that follow. Number six, be unbalanced in your thinking. Doubt God's control of your life. Number seven, be self-focused. Spend your time on yourself. Make sure your needs are met first. And then in the article, he goes on to say how not to be Satan's breakfast. And when I read these, you'll notice that all these are found exactly in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. And here it is. Number one, subject yourselves to authority. 1 Peter 5, 5. Number two, be humble. 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6. How do we become humble? By being obedient as Jesus was obedient. As the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 that we are to humble ourselves under God and with each other. And number three, seek God's praise according to God's schedule. Why? Because at the proper time, God alone knows that time. Number four, don't be anxious. 1 Peter 5, 7. Instead, number five, be sure of God's care for you. 1 Peter 5, 8. Number six, be sober-minded. Know that he is in control, no matter what appearances may be. And number seven, be spiritually alert, knowing Satan is prowling around out there looking for an easy meal to devour. The Bible says that adversary is a liar. He is the father of all lies. He is the accuser of our brethren, as John writes in the book of Revelation, not only does he accuse us before the throne room of God, but he accuses us individually. Paul says he is capable of shooting fiery missiles into our mind in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 16. and his desire is to devour us and that is such an incredible word that Peter used in the Greek. You know what it means? It means to swallow us whole. See, the enemy doesn't just want to paw at us. He doesn't just want to play with us. He wants to devour us. He wants to chew us up and swallow us. That's why we must be on the alert. That's why we must be sober. The word for Satan, diabolos, it's used 34 times referring to the God of this world. And in every single case, Paul and all the other New Testament writers warns us against Diabolos. You also know how Diabolos comes into our lives? That this word, this Greek word, dia, means through. Abolos means the enemy. You know what that means? It means that he cuts through. He cuts through. You know what cuts through Christians? Gossip. Gossip is also diabolos. Malicious gossip in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 3. You see, that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to divide us. He wants to create factions. He wants churches to fall apart by creating division among the saints. We have to be on our guard We have to be alert to the attacks of the enemy. William Evans wrote that it is popular in some circles today to spell the word devil with the letter D off of it, thus reducing the idea of an actual person called the devil to a mere influence called evil. The devil may be out of fashion or he may be out of popular opinion, but as true Christians, we know that he exists. If the devil can mislead people that way, he would have them thinking that he is some monster dressed in a red suit with a pitchfork and a serpent's tongue because that's how the devil's portrayed. But the Bible says that he comes as an angel of light. And look how many people today are being deceived by the enemy. The Bible says that When he approached God, as he was roaming the earth, he approached God and the Lord said to the devil, where did you come from? And the devil answered the Lord and said, I am come from wandering about on the earth and walking up and down in the world. See, he's prowling around like a roaring lion. And that is why we need to be alert. That's why we need to be sober. Because if we're not alert and we're not sober, we're going to allow the enemy to attack us. When we are spiritually asleep, the enemy will devour us. And I believe that an unwatchful Christian is sure to be an unsuccessful Christian. Why does Christianity stand or fall with the reality of Satan? Why? Because Jesus spent his whole ministry fighting them. He fought the devil, and then he fought against demons. And what is Satan's aim in his strategies? And I really want all of us to really pay attention to what the Bible says about our enemy. Number one, he is the father of lies, John 8, 44. His nature is falsehood. He only speaks the truth in order to deceive. Number two, he is the chief enemy of truth. He opposes God's word. Number three, he casts doubt on God's goodness. He destroys our obedience of faith. He opposes the truth, reaching and converting people away from God. Number four, he hinders missions strategy in First Thessalonians two eighteen. Number five, he distorts and prevents effective gospel message preaching. Acts thirteen, eight and nine. Number six, he avoids inner need by removing external trouble. 1 John 3.12. Seven, he uses the fear of death to hold men in bondage. Hebrews 2.15. Eight, he causes people to stumble over bad Christian attitudes. 2 Timothy 2.24, 25, and 26. Number nine, he blinds the minds of unbelievers. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. 10, he exploits a lack of understanding, Matthew 13, 19. He suggests ways that don't involve suffering, Matthew 16, 23. And of course, the temptation of Christ in the wilderness, Matthew 4. 12, he imitates religious roles. That's as he comes as an angel of light or he comes as a spiritual leader. Number 13, he misuses scripture, Matthew 4, 6. 14, he imitates signs and wonders, 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 and Mark thirteen twenty 15, he offers exotic occult alternatives. 16, he attacks faith to destroy believers. 17, he brings persecution. 18, he brings sickness. 19, he causes dissension over doctrine and causes rifts. 20, sexual allurements. 21, unresolved anger. And lastly, pride. Notice that we began with lies and we end with pride. When Floyd shared his testimony last Sunday, all I kept on thinking as he was sharing his story, Well, see, that's where the enemy will leave you. He will leave you homeless. He will take everything away from you. You will end up in the darkest place in your life because the enemy wants to destroy us. He promises us so much, but he takes everything away from us. It's not worth it, it's not worth giving into him. The Bible says that he roars like a lion. I don't know if you have ever been at the zoo and you ever heard a lion roar, but it is one of the most powerful sounds to the human ear. When a lion roars, what the intention there is, is for fear to paralyze the victim. And so Satan will roar in our lives, he will cause a commotion in our lives. But I want you to know this morning that when Jesus hung on the cross, Satan was defeated. The Bible says that when he hung on the cross, he made an open spectacle of them. He disarmed all the powers of darkness. He rendered Satan powerless. And so as Christian believers, what we believe is that we have victory because of Jesus Christ. He may be able to roar in your life, but he was defanged when Jesus hung on the cross. He can no longer devour us. He can no longer chew us up and spit us out or swallow us because we have victory in Jesus Christ this morning. If you're here today and you want to know how to break free of those bondages, you turn to Jesus Christ, our victor. He gives us victory. Praise God. He gives us victory. In this immediate context, the devil's plan for suffering Christians in Asia Minor was to get them to deny Jesus Christ. As Peter wrote these words, there were Christians that were being murdered in the worst way. They were being burned alive, they were beheaded, they were persecuted. And I believe that one of the attacks the enemy was trying to do was to get people to turn and deny Jesus Christ. And he's doing the same thing today. He wants people to deny Jesus Christ because he knows that Jesus is the answer. He knows that Jesus is the solution to the human condition, which is sin. He knows, and he will try to prevent people from believing in Jesus. Jesus came seeking sinners, but the devil, he seeks Christians. He looks for Christians with their guard down. He could not keep us from becoming a Christian. Now he wants us to be ineffective as Christians. He will do everything in his diabolical power to render us ineffective. He wants an impotent Christian and an impotent church. He will slander, hinder And handicap you. He will do everything in his power to keep you from sharing Christ with a non believer. He lost you, but now he seeks to make sure that no one around you will come to Christ. The devil's not interested in nibbling on us, he's interested in seeking us to gulp us down. He looks for those who play into his crutches. He lurks in the spiritual bushes waiting for the Christian to come along. Do you have a spiritual mind detector? If we do not stay on the path, he will have a booby trap waiting to deform us for life. As we enter into 2020, we need our eyes wide open. We need to be sober. We need to be on the alert. And we need to understand that we are fighting a real enemy today. But praise be to God, for greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. Amen. Thank you, Lord God. If you are ready to embrace 2020, if you're ready to embrace it and give it your very best, let us make a commitment this morning that we are going to be sober and that we are going to be on the alert. We are going to do what God has called us to do. And that is to reach as many souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why we exist as Lighthouse Assembly of God. Heavenly Father, we stand together as a united front. And God, we are banding together as brothers and sisters in Christ. We are declaring and we're saying that the enemy may come against us, but he will not devour us. He may throw missiles at us, but it will not penetrate our hearts and minds. We are making a commitment today to guard our hearts against evil, against darkness, against the enemy. And God, I pray that you would protect each and every single one of us from the enemy of our souls. God, that you would keep us in your hand. God, that you would not allow anyone to go astray. But Father, we would be set on fire by the power of the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit would enable us to say no to temptation, for us to say no to the attacks of the enemy. And God, I pray that every single one of us would be able to walk in victory, God, that that if there's one person here that is struggling with sin, God, I pray today that this day would be the day that you'd break that bondage in their life, that you would do your part as they do their part in being obedient to you. So, Father, as we enter into 2020, God, we want to be a church that obeys you. We want to be a church that's set on fire for you. And, God, we want to be a church to reach the lost and dying in our neighborhood. So God, I pray that you'd empower every single person in this place today. And God, that the people all around us would see the fire of God in us. And God, it would draw them to you. God, that you would draw the lost and dying. God, that you'd use every single person in a mighty and powerful way. And God, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.